This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What up, babies? It's your girl, Jessie Mae. Happy Throwback Thursday. It's a Sharp Tongue podcast, quarantine day 5,672. How are you? How are you surviving? We're barely surviving. But then again, I think we're thriving. Are you thriving? I'm thriving. I'm taking naps. I'm day drinking. I'm smoking blunts. To me, that's thriving. I want to give you guys a little insider info. Speaking of thriving, we've got a new club, bitch. Patreon club, join my club on patreon.com forward slash Jesse May Peluso. Exclusive videos, videos from most of these episodes, as well as we're going to be featuring Bong in a Movie Mondays. We're going to be featuring Hilarious Wednesdays, Weeds Days, uh, Q&As, everything that ends in A's. All of your exclusive video content will be available at patreon.com forward slash Jesse May Peluso. Join whatever tier you want. Honestly, there's going to be uh, exclusive content with each tier. We're also going to be offering a Dead Dads Club. I think it might be up by now, but if not, it will be up soon. A Dead Dads Club tier where you can get be haunted by my the ghost of my late great father, Joseph Peluso. <laughs> His ghost will just come and fart around your house. It'll be great. The whole family will love it. Fun for the whole fucking family. I have actually really been enjoying my time. I'm work. I'm actually working. Working from home is something that I enjoy now because I normally travel prior to all of this COVID BC. I was on the road all the time and that gets exhausting. That gets really fucking exhausting and I'm not bitching. I love my life. I love my career. I love what I can do and places I can go and, and all the people I see and meet on the road, but it wear and tears on you. It wear and tears on you. Sleep is hard to come by when you're on the road. Anybody who travels out there, maybe some of you are traveling now listening to this, I'm sure you can understand. There's nothing like your own bed. You know, there's nothing like your own bed. And I, I just enjoy being home in my own bed more so than not. I used to think I was going to live my life like a rolling rock forever. And now I'm not so sure. Now I'm like, do I maybe just want to be in quarantine for the rest of my life? Because I can get down. But then again, that's easier, easier said than done. Right. And I'm, I'm in quarantine with my man. I'm in quarantine with that motherfucker. He's not a motherfucker. He's a great guy. I don't know why I just called him a motherfucker. Just, I got a little hood on you for a second, but I'm in quarantine with my man and you know, it's it's been interesting because we weren't living together before this. And now, whoo, we are seeing all of each other. That poor man is seeing all of me. It's like that all of me, that John Legend song. And, it, you know, it, and the shit gets real. The shit gets real once you start living together because it's hard to hide the gross you know, one thing that I have not done, I, you guys probably won't even believe me and you're going to think it's a lie. I have not farted in front of my dude. I don't believe in farting in front of him. And he's like, babe, but you fart all over the internet. Like, how's that not farting on me? He's, he's from Kansas. That's what he sounds like. And it's totally different. Confirm or deny. Is it different for me farting on you guys 
than farting on my man. That's not the same thing. He's saying that you guys get farted on by me, and that's basically like him getting farted on by me. He can't take your farts away from you. Same way he can't try and add farts into the relationship that aren't there. I told him early on, I don't want to hear your fucking farts. I don't want you clipping your toenails where toenails are not meant to be clipped. I don't want you scratching your nuts. Let's have a little bit of class and mystery in this relationship. Maybe the key to mystery is not showing each other your nastiness too early, too soon, or at all. I think the key to a a lasting relationship is separate houses, but that's just me. And we're living under the same roof, and I'm, I'm enjoying it, really. You know, he brings me wine home after work. That motherfucker knows what to do. He knows what to do to keep me quiet. He knows what to, to get me, to keep me happy. That motherfucker showed up with two bottles of wine, two bottles of red, bitch. Organic. Fucking Pinot Noir. What do you know about Pinot Noir? Pinot Noir is the key to a girl's pussy and her heart. He showed up with two bottles of Pinot Noir. I took them out of his hands like a kid who got a toy on Christmas, and I ran over to the corner of the room and drank them. Like a grown-ass bitch. Like a respectful woman. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing the last of one of the bottles now. And it is delightful. It's, I don't even know the real brand. Because you guys, if you listen, if you're long-time listeners, you know I can't fuck a red wine. I like tequila. Straight out of the bottle. Some rocks. A dash of elk taint juice. And, and that's it. Taint juice from a, from a really feral elk. Woo! I say that now after being on the Joe Rogan podcast because I've got a freezer full of elk meat. (laughs) I've got a whole freezer full of fucking elk meat. Shout out to Joe Rogan. Appreciate you sharing your meat. What's for dinner? Elk, bitch. Actually, my man was like, make sure you ask Joe for some elk. It's like, okay. It's not a grocery store. It's a podcast. But I showed up. I'm like, can I have some elk? I felt like Oliver Twist. Thank you, sir. May I have some more? delicious i got sausage i got a little uh, filet got a little uh ground elk beef and you know listen i'm a pretty picky eater it's one of the things that drives my man nuts i go very organic i'm very healthy very picky i don't eat fast food shit unless i'm stoned it's that time of the month or i'm just uh you know a hormonal monster i will sometimes deviate from my very healthy eating schedule and regimen but I will say that I do enjoy a burger once in a while I will say I do enjoy a nice fucking steak there's nothing nicer than a fucking nice slice of steak with a good sauce a nice dipping sauce one of my dad's favorite sandwiches that he used to get like on a special occasion was a french dip bitch I will punch you in the lip for a french dip Okay, and I know animal rights people are like, you shouldn't eat animals. Don't eat animals. They're cute. I guarantee you, you find me a vegan, I will find you a vegan who eats burgers in their closets. I'm eating cheeseburgers in the park, bitch. I walk the walk and I talk the talk. I treat animals well. I adopt them. But I also know that sometimes they're delicious. And I'm not saying to eat a dog. None of that shit. Okay, we're not eating animals like that. But A bitch will try some elk. I've never had elk and I'm feeling like I'm living a luxurious life and I deserve elk right now. A bitch will have a burger because you know what? There's some nutrients in that shit that's delicious and I'm more often than not going to make sure that it was from a sustainable farm, grass-fed beef, and cows that were red to at night and led a a, a nice 
honorable and life with a little dignity. But I do enjoy a fucking cheeseburger. I'm a grown bitch, an American woman, and I won't I won't be made feel bad about it. Because most people try and make other people feel bad are the ones who are doing bad shit. So before you open your mouth and say how I'm not a good human, why don't you close your mouth and think about where your shoes came from and if children sewed them so that you could wear them on your feet? Hypocrite, bitch. <laughs> who am I arguing with? I'm just sitting here arguing with people. You guys, this is a throwback Thursday. I'm going to be doing episodes every day as much as I can. What am I talking about? I'm home all day long. I should be doing episodes every single day. And this is a a special kind of a throwback episode only to a couple weeks ago to interviewing and chatting with my platonic podcasting life partner, Mr. Mike Tully from Sirius XM, The Tully Show. And I want to let you know ahead of time that the audio is okay. It's not up to par to what we normally had it have it usually so I appreciate your patience and and it's still it's still decent and I hope you enjoy it we talk about a lot of shit I I basically tell them how you can be a parent a good parent on pot and I stand by that I stand by that stance I will stance by my stance on how you can parent and smoke pot look at the parents who drink who get drunk as fuck with their kids if they would just get high as hell they would stop being neglectful and start playing with their children I think once you get kids whether you adopt or you have them you should be prescribed marijuana well anyways more that and more up next with my brother my podcasting partner you know him you love him from Sirius XM Mark McGrath's bottom <laughs> Mike Tully <laughs> sharp tongue podcast Beep, 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 You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary. A deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy how hard it is to make it in this biz i'm a fucking professional i talk about my dog sometimes each week it's something different sometimes i have a guest host sometimes it's gonna be a movie companion episode sometimes i just ramble about the bullshit i dealt with the week before you never know what you're gonna get it's raw uncut and funny it's me coming to you live on tape from week Four of quarantine in rapidly gentrifying Culver City adjacent California from my eight-year-old son's bedroom boasting a vast array of Star Wars Legos this is the Tully show I am your host Mike Tully joining me today once again from the sunny and suddenly smog-free west side of Los Angeles the host of the sharp tongue podcast the people's champ hello and welcome back. Wow, quite a cloud you've got going over there, Jesse May Peluso. Hi, I'm here. Uh, I am smoking marijuana because I don't know, I don't have children. For, mm-hmm. And if I did have children, I would be smoking marijuana. So I suggest you get on the, the choo-choo cannabis train. Get on the ganja the ganja lift. The choo-choo cannabis train. I went to uh, Chuck E. Cheese in the before times, back when we took things for granted, like going to Chuck E. Cheese on a whim. And I just want to give my, yeah, right, exactly. And I remember 
this mom walked past me and she had her little kid and she just absolutely reeked. And I was like, oh, duh. Like I make parenting so much more complicated than it needs to be. All you really need to do is get high as fuck and go to Chuck E. Cheese. Absolutely. That's all you need to do is get stoned. Think of how much easier it would be to be a parent and to escape into that world of a child. You know, where you can just sort of... I wish I could handle that because you're right. See, I can't do the drinking and parenting thing. I have some friends who do that and they clearly just have a different relationship with alcohol than I do. For me, when I start drinking, it means I stop being responsible. Like, I don't even at this point, like, drink while I'm making dinner. I wait until I'm sitting down to eat. I don't want to have anything to do when I have a drink. But I don't feel like marijuana breeds that same sort of laziness. Like, I think you can... I don't think so either. But I can't. It just makes me... It makes me weird. And uh, somebody put it perfectly the other day. It's like, alcohol makes my problem seem further away, and marijuana makes my problem seem closer. That's the best way that oh. I can explain. The, and, and then there's two schools of thought on this. One is that you can power through it, or it's all in your head, or you just haven't tried the right strain. And then there's the other school of thought, which is you can just biologically, genetically be one of the unlucky ones for whom weed just doesn't work. Do you believe that I could? Because I think I'm too high strung, and I think you would tend to agree with that. Oh, I'm also very high strung. So I think that there's ways to cater it cater the cannabis to suit your needs have do you feel like if you did it wrong you could have a bad time did you ever have a period of time where you had a bad time yeah absolutely but the same with alcohol as well and i think the bad times the alcohol far outweigh the bad times with cannabis just because of how dangerous it is to overdose on on alcohol oh no doubt no doubt yeah i'm already preaching that to my kids that weed is less dangerous the closet behind you I would love to just get stoned and organize it. People can't see it. And we're going to, Tully and I have decided we're going to offer some video, maybe a little exclusive situation for you guys. But his closet could use some organization. That would be a perfect thing for a parent just to pop an edible and get in there and, and see what you can do with all those clothes that your kids probably aren't wearing. It's a lot of clothes. Is that for a, a, ch- a child or is that your closet? I'm a little bigger than that, actually. I'm in a child's room, as I've mentioned at the start of every single show that we've done together since the lockdown started. <laughs> I too, such a smart <laughs> I too wish that that closet was a little bit more organized. I'll be honest with you, I wish that closet had doors. Yeah, there's no doors on that closet. There's a reason. At least coming out of it would be easy, though. There's a reason why most closets you are able to at least like hide the mess with the door. When we got in yeah. here, we, we did part one of the plan, which was take out the doors we don't like. We haven't gotten around <laughs> to part two, and that goes for every single closet in the house. So nobody here has nobody here has anything to hide. Nobody's hiding <laughs> anything in the closet. But yeah, there's uh, there's a bunch of toys and stuff like that. The only my kids do have way too much clothes. I absolutely copped the my wife designs and sells children's clothes. Oh well, that's a totally different situation. So most and of that could stuff she send me some. Is homegrown. Stitch like four shirts together. We will raggedy and the fuck out of you, Jesse. <laughs> I would love to be raggedy and out of your children's clothes. I think that'd be a really good repurposing project for you to do this week. All joking aside, like, do you I think this is the point in the quarantine where everybody is getting a little weird. Like, do you find yourself? <laughs> 
do you find yourself doing stuff like i haven't i honestly don't blame the quarantine on your weirdness do you find that you are doing things that you're surprised that you're doing during quarantine or has it gone more or less the way you expected uh i find that i've sort of really been able to function in sweatpants much longer than i thought i could Mm -hmm. i never knew that i could wear sweatpants doing everything like i'm i am working on a script and um also working on podcasts so i'm doing work but in sweatpants also i have really pushed the extent of personal hygiene to the limit i'm not going to say there's critters crawling on me but let's just say if i found one or two wouldn't be surprised wouldn't yeah, be ashamed you have you've created a biosphere in which they might flourish yeah, I, I basically has a, have a unique ecosystem that is on top of my body that we're fine. Like we, we're, our atmosphere is healthy. We're not polluted too much, but I think the lack of stage time is really getting to me because I'm starting to do shows in my car while I'm in a drive through at the In-N-Out Burger for two toddlers that are in the back seat of a minivan across the street. Okay, right. So do you think that you're one of those people who got into stand-up because you need attention or you're an exhibitionist or you feel like you weren't heard when you were a child, so now I got the microphone you guys sit there and listen to me? Like, What part of your neuroses was uh, stand-up keeping at bay that it is no longer keeping at bay? I don't think it was a neuroses. I think I just learned how to communicate that way. Like, I, I genuinely like creating imagery for people to laugh at like I, I purely and simply like I just like to be able to create a, a world out of my mouth that people understand and find humor and joy in and then you know because I, I, I had love in my household my parents loved me my mom lo- you know we were loved even though my parents separated when I was young we still had a lot of love my sister used to tell me to go in the closet and do this thing called closet closet lady closet Kathy when I was like eight or nine and I'd go into my mom's closet and pick one or two things and then I would just pile them on and come out of the closet and do a skit for her that bitch still requests it she requests it of me I'm 37 years old when I go home she's like do closet Kathy I'm like I'm too old but you know (laughs) I'll go do it I am a sucker for entertaining. So I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question, but I just, I think I enjoy it. Right. Well, I've always wondered that like comics, I don't always feel like I've been able to, as much as I've been around them, I don't always feel like I can connect with them. I often feel very awkward, um, uh, like backstage from, you know, in a, in a, a club where there's a bunch of other comics. Cause I just feel like there's a sort of language that they all speak that I don't speak. And everybody loves you back there, but I, I've always wondered if it's because they all talk such a big game about coming from this dark place and we're all broken self-loathing people and as not as a not i don't feel broken i don't feel any more self-loathing than is natural and is healthy i think a certain amount of self-loathing is necessary to keep yourself in check i might not even be self-loathing enough if i'm really honest with myself I, I was actually gonna say you could probably kick it up a couple if you, have you taken a good hard look in the mirror because you should hate yourself about 20 percent more than you do <laughs> Um, now, is this me personally or is this you talking to yourself? No, I'm talking to myself. That was, I'm talking to the man in the mirror, um, which apparently Michael Jackson was not doing really nearly yeah, exactly enough. Yeah. Forget about homeless about. people. There are clear and pre- present dangers that you're presenting to the community. But like, so you're not that you're not. I guess that's why you and I get along. And I, I have always 
felt like uh, I'm, you know, comedians are nice to me and I'm nice to them back, but we don't really like gel because I don't come from their weird place. Like, uh, I also think a lot of comedians don't gel because there is a, an array of issues that each of them have and interpersonal communication usually wasn't one of the more developed skills that they acquired along the route because it does require a certain amount of narcissists and um, insecurity. I always call comedians insecure narcissists and the ones that have a harder time communicating you aside, but I think ones that sort of portray that whole, Oh, I'm damaged. And that story that we know so, so commonly amongst comedians, some of it's true, but some of it's also like, an attention grabber, I think, to be like, oh, man, I'm so broken. This is the only way I can communicate with the world. Is it? Or is that a nice romantic notion that you also want to add on to it because it makes you feel like, you know, Hunter S. Thompson of stand-up or something? Right. You should be flicking your emo hair out of your face after you say it. It's like, chill. Okay, we get it, Dylan. You're sad and you're right. (laughs) All your stuff comes from truth. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Most of us are just clowns that learn how to communicate through laughter, you know? Sure, it feels great to be on stage. Sure. sure it feels great to make toddlers laugh in the mm-hmm. back of a minivan. That's I'm pretty much deny that. That's pretty much all I've got. I'm, I've got a terrific act worked out for people who are under 10 years old. We'll see As, how it, I mean, at this point, yeah. We'll see how it translates to people who are of legal drinking age once we get out of this. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. you're a father. Have you heard of Blippy? Seriously? Yeah, I have. Okay, give, give, me, give me your Blippy. What? Uh, here's what I'm saying about yeah. what making a point I, I to actually, your point. I actually kind of like There are millions Blippi. of dollars to be had entertaining yeah. children. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. I actually, so if you and I have to go and do a tight five at Chuck E. Cheese, we're gonna fucking do it. Oh, you're there's, gonna open for me. There's worse but, things. Well, well, you know, probably more for like a like a co-headlining kind of thing. We can figure we'll out see, this. We'll yeah. see. We'll figure out the details. But you're definitely doing your set from the cheese. So Blippy, I've always found really funny for people who don't know him. People who listen to the Jason Ellis show would be familiar with him because he's sort of become a character on the show. Kevin Kraft from the show dressed up as him for Halloween this uh, past year. I find <laughs> Blippy really, really fascinating because we actually may have done – we might be doing a better job raising the second one than the first. Mm, that's not true. The first kid, we didn't want him to just be the kid staring at YouTube all the time, and we did an okay job, but people who are too perfect at that are weird. They're the ones who raise, like, vegan kids and stuff like that. So he watched his fair share. My daughter has actually watched less, although now that I'm thinking about it, it's because she just is forced to watch. She thinks she likes Star Wars, and she's one year old (laughs) because it's the only thing that she's been allowed to watch by her older brother. (laughs) She's but, just been taught what she can like. But I just basically <laughs> sounds like a typical woman. I remember right exactly. Hey, furthering the patriarchy. I'm trying to do my part. <laughs> so uh, I remember being at a a kid's birthday party, and this is one of these uppity things where the parents go all out to show off to the other parents, and they'd hired a live music act, and they were just like so into the music that they were yeah for kids. And what music? Who? I don't know. Who? B i n g o. I don't know. I mean, we could do that. We could, but we wouldn't want to. Reason being, it's incredibly irritating because the songs are terrible. The kids don't pay attention. When they talk to you, you have to pretend that what they say is interesting and or makes sense. And it's not. And I remember seeing the guy finish the set and then like walk off to where the kids wouldn't see him. And I just saw he wasn't being unprofessional. He was doing his best. But I just saw this little flash of him just being like, oh, boy, this is a hard way to make a living. 
And I was I like, I want to solve that. And well, but I was like, good. Because in my experience, based on what I've seen on planet Earth, it's not natural for a grown-up, particularly a grown man, to want to hang out with kids. It's not natural for a grown man to want to entertain kids. And if somebody's going to entertain my kids, I want to know that that person hates it and is dying inside while they're doing it because otherwise that person is a deeply suspicious individual to me. So the thing that I like about Blippy is from the second I saw him, when my kids started watching his videos, which are just unwatchable, they are just <laughs> torturous. Unless you're stoned. Which was, I never got that high when I smoked weed, was that I could tell that he, he to me was, uh, I think it's like a Robin Williams movie, like Death to Smoochie or whatever the heck yeah, it is. Yeah, Death to Smoochie. That's a Bob Bobcat Goldthwait movie too. Okay, so I've never I've never seen that, but it's what I think it is. It's like he was this guy. I could just tell by looking at the Blippy character. He was an out of work something, and he has like his sisters got kids, and he's watching the awful crap that they're watching. You know, the unboxing videos on YouTube, and he's like, "Well, anybody could do this." And Blippy's just the one guy who went whole hog. He went down to the Halloween store. He bought a stupid costume. He was willing to do the stupid character until it caught on. And sure enough, it turns out, do you know that that guy previous to his Blippy fame made a video where he defecated on his friend? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find but it. But that's it's also, that's solid child humor. <laughs> like, pooping on your friend is solid child humor. So maybe that was just his first Blippy. Maybe. Video. Danny oh, DeVito guys, directed you that. Guys watching the, you guys watching the Blippy videos? Yeah, I preferred his earlier stuff. I was into the poop <laughs> stuff. I was into the defecation. I really appreciated the defecation education series that, that uh, Blippy did. Little teeny Danny DeVito directed Death to Smoochie. What's his size got to do with it? Because he's just so cute. He's adorable. That's what, it, what he's got to do with it. He's just the cutest little thing. Danny DeVito reason. is the proof that small does not equal adorable. Well, I, th I think you uh, are looking at it from a tainted window and you can't appreciate the, the adorableness that Danny DeVito exudes. Can you imagine also if Danny DeVito was like <laughs> six foot five with the exact same proportions? What a mega <laughs> DeVito would look giant. like? Yeah, right. It basically would be Andre the Giant. Danny DeVito is just a shrunken Andre the Giant. How did it ever go wrong between him and Rhea Perlman if two people were ever put on this earth for one another? Wait, are they... They were. Are they not together? No, I don't think so. I need to leave. Wow. That's, I, I, I can't imagine another woman, like who, who who's Danny DeVito going to date? Like he needs another teeny little cute Jewish woman. I'm always like fascinated by the boundaries of what will make a certain kind of woman do things that she wouldn't ordinarily do if there wasn't money and or power and or fame involved. Like, oh honey, that's not reserved to the coochies. But I know what you're saying. Well, we'll get to your point next. But what if DeVito's out there throwing it out, like, let's do a one night thing that could maybe turn into a weekend that ends with, a you know, a trip to Cartier or something like that, that maybe leads to you could be the next Mrs. DeVito and be in the will. What caliber does Danny DeVito pull? Oh, he's pulling all the caliber. Have you been out in, in Rodeo Drive? Have you been out in, in L.A.? When the sun is shining you mean and it's there's warm. A, there's a bunch of regular sized DeVitos who are already pulling this off? There's two type of DeVitos out there. There's actually, there's two types of women who are dating the DeVitos out there. 
There's the ones that are genuine and see him for who who he is because he's probably a really good person. And then there's the gold diggers, and there's no in-between. There's no spectrum. There's no grayscale. It is a black and white situation. It's either gold diggers or good people. Okay, but all that having been said, I definitely noticed that, like, the the – handsome presentable famous rich men of the world get one caliber of gold digger and like aaron carter gets a different one because <laughs> he's because he's aaron carter because he's he's got like a film over him there's like kind of like a a little bit of a, a you know you know when you go like the mean. ocean yeah, he, he and looks, there's like a film he looks flammable. Like in the marina right yeah he's got like a slime over him but it's definitely yeah. He's like an unshowered Corey Feldman, which is basically what I look like in quarantine. <laughs> I'm an unshowered Corey Feldman. <laughs> Gotta get you the sparkly glove, and you can just get your Michael Jackson act going. Yeah, I do. I will say, I think it's important for girls to have a sugar daddy moment in their life, okay? Just to get their toes in that lake and to have a perspective and experience, because life is meant to be experienced, and I don't think there's any shame in drawing from all of the wells that eras of your life can sort of offer you. I mean, it's huff, just me saying huffing, that I've had a sugar daddy before. I know, I know it is because huffing okay. is an experience too. And I don't think you would say the same thing about huffing. Huffing? Huff- What's huffing? You don't is know. that something that, bl- is it a blippy video? Huffing? You don't know huffing? Huffing is like when you inhale uh, toxic chemical chemicals so that you get a little buzz off them. No, I, I, no, I never you know, even knew huffing was a thing. It's really bad. It's like people huff like Freon and then their voice gets you're like You're on another level weird. though, Tully. You're like you a nerd. Everybody knows about huffing. You're like doing, you know, blow in the bathroom in between changing diapers. So yeah, we don't know. No, I know. I am more of a Coke nerd. <laughs> you are, you are starting to zero in a little bit. You're, yeah, you're, I, I mean, know, you're, you're, you're popping pills and drinking scotch at like midnight. You're cold, but you just got a tiny little bit warmer. <laughs> How huffing is a thing. If you have infinite amount of time and you really want to totally bore the crap out of yourself, go find this movie that Philip Seymour Hoffman made where he's a huffer. Is it flawless? I don't think oh, no. it's. That's, that's it with him and, and Robert De Niro. He's a huffer. Yeah. He just keeps on getting like model boats and huffing all of like the epoxies <laughs> or whatever. God, it and sounds. He, he shows sure up. It wasn't like. He did videos. He did weird stuff. He took really, really weird projects on that people don't forget the people forget the weird stuff he did because it was so forgettable and completely unnoticed at the time. Uh, I've always been like broke, so I've always had the shitty movie channel on cable. You know what I mean? So I don't get to. I always loved his stuff. He definitely. You're right. He did pick weird roles. Yeah. So it's this movie. He just like shows. I just remember the scene where he shows up at the the model shop on like a Sunday morning at like 7 a.m. He's like, hey, I need more of that stuff. And they're like, we just sold you a bucket yesterday. You can't be out of it. He's like, no, I made a lot of models. (laughs) Who the, what? (laughs) (laughs) I need to go to I'm going to IMDb. If I tell you, will you know the name of the movie? I don't know. The right huff. There's no way. Huff enough. No, no. Are you serious? I don't know. It's not. It's. I'm sure it's got like the. You've got the right huff. Um, I'm sure it's David Hasselhoff. uh, (laughs) I'm sure it's got some unbearably pretentious title, like you know. Before the devil knows you're dead. Butterflies in the mist. Oh my God! He was huffing. I can't even handle it. I saw him in a bar in New York. Oh, he was uh, around. All, I used to see him biking quite a bit. Yeah, he he always looked a bit bloated. 
He always looked very, very disheveled. Yeah, he, he looked he looked unhealthy. like a worst case scenario Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, he de- he did. He looked like Jim Gaffigan that had maybe you know floated up on a river. Bank. Yeah, yeah, terrific and, and, actor. And R.I.P. Though I mean R.I.P. Hey, hey, hey! Uh, despite us uh, really saying that he looked like a dead version of a really unattractive man, all due respect. I just want people to know, no disrespect. It's all love here. It's all love. <laughs> Okay, so I have two questions for you I've written down so far. Um, oh, God, your, what was go. what was your sugar daddy experience? Oh, um, I, I I mean, you know, maybe I had one. Right. Or two. Maybe or three. You, maybe you I had was a, a young, adorable girl in New York. You maybe know, you had people a, paid rent. Sure. Maybe you had a roommate that got up to stuff. Anything interesting ever happened with a roommate of yours? No. No, never. You, you can't do it like that, you know, where there's a roommate situation. That's totes and probes. Oh, you got to keep it off the homestead. Yeah. No, there I was rules to the game. I was trying to give you a lifeline and let you assign your oh, stories oh, to yeah, no, I, a mythical I was too high fictional to roommate. Yeah, I was way too stoned to see that layup. Thank you. I'm no. just always interested in how the and you and I have probably already even talked about this before and everybody but me and you remembers us having this conversation that kind of rings a bell. But like, I'm <laughs> always interested in the transaction, not transaction conversation. Like, how does this arrangement or do you just meet on a website? Well, it, you know, it happens. It's, it's very apparent because, you know, it, it it's always older, like an older there's like there's an age gap and uh, I'd say 15, at least 15. How old are you? I'm 37. No, how old were you at the time? I'm sorry. Uh, early 20s. So I'm 42. I could have sugar daddied you. No. Why? No. Okay, just we'll start with the closet and work backwards. But I'm saying I'm in the age I'm in the age group where yeah, yeah. I, like if I, I I could now if my wife leaves me tomorrow and I'm ever allowed to leave my house I am now in an age group where I could sugar daddy. Yeah, I would say so for sure. Okay. Yeah, so I would definitely say in your forties. Yeah, right. Okay, absolutely. So let's say and I'm starting I'm starting to sugar daddy. Tell me how I break this down. What do you I gotta do? have money? You have to own a business. Uh, oh, you have to be. I have to own a business. Yeah, you gotta have to business. Um, you need to be respectful. You need to be a little bit dangerous. Excuse me? Yeah. And I need an apartment. Those are basic requirements. (laughs) Those are basic requirements. Rent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What sort of things, stuff. What sort of, what sort of menace do you need me to to bring to this (laughs) equation? Like, like light mafia work. You know, oh, maybe, oh, like, oh, oh, you were in New York. Oh, of course. I got to go do a thing. Oh, <laughs> I hate those guys. That's why I could never get into the Sopranos. It's such a it's it, it's a real thing. I know. It I is, know. It's a um, it's the indigenous creature to the Galapagos Islands that is New York City. Yeah. Yeah. The Staten Island. It, it, it yeah, exactly. It is a creature that only lives and is from there. It doesn't leave there. And if you want to see it, you have to go see it in its natural habitat and it won't want to leave. It will not I'm not fucking going anywhere. Why would I go anywhere? I don't New York's got everything. I don't fucking need to go anywhere. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The, One week a year in Florida, you're good. That. Right, yeah. There's okay. an era for that for girls. Okay, so then how do you how would somebody how how would how would a girl like you meet a guy like that? Bartending. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And a guy like that, oh, that makes it quite a bit easier because you have the built-in reason to have the conversation. Yeah, if you're keeps, talking mm-hmm. and, you, you know, bartenders are armchair therapists, of really. Yes, right. Um, especially if you're open during the day. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a day shift, mm-hmm. you get motherfuckers that are in there drinking before the sun goes down. Yeah. Somebody needs to vent. The marriage isn't secure. The job isn't secure. The life isn't secure. And they just need connection. And bartenders are connections to people in that in that scenario, especially in New York. New York is such a hard environment to live in. It's a hard environment to have a family. It's it's a constant grind. Just getting from A to B, you're stepping over rats and homeless people and things that you don't know if it was a creature or a human, if it was alive. There's a lot of, you know... Uh, various levels of garbage that you have to hurdle over in order to get to work. So yeah, the city makes people, you, the city makes you very hard. I used to see old people walking around and it's the, one of the reasons I moved to LA is because I knew at some point in my life I had to take a break. I always intended to go back at this point. I doubt that I will, but I was like, if you go all the way through, you could see them. I'm like, I can see a native New Yorker walking down the street. Oh yeah. Cause they're like, they've built like human turtle shells around themselves. Yeah, and they've learned to literally pack everything they need for the day and bring it with them everywhere. Everyone looks homeless in New York. That's right. These people aren't homeless. They're just working. They're grinding. They're, you know, they live all the way up in Harlem, Stuyvesant Heights or wherever they're living on the outskirts of the city, and they got to have everything they need to survive for the day. Right. It's a really interesting city to to live in, and and, and I think, like, when you're a bartender— People just want – people connect more in New York on a verbal level because you're so close to people. The proximity to people is much different than in L.A. We live a little bit more of an isolated experience out here in existence because of the nature of driving around. New York is a very – you know, it's a – People are out on their feet, walking around on their bikes. The subway, you take it for granted until you leave and you go back and you see it like – I can't really think of almost any other place in in America where people from so many walks of life would be, I mean, literally pressed up against each other because the very, very wealthy, of course, are getting chauffeured to work or taking taxis or what have you. But there's some pretty big deal people who still just go down and take the subway oh, yeah. because it's just fast and it's 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 faster than taking a car. There's no traffic down there. So, I mean, really all walks of life pressed up against each other in a way that you, you just you just wouldn't see elsewhere also new york way more of an alcoholic culture way more of an alcoholic culture the connection to the have and have nots is centimeters the subways will have homeless people next to sitting next to harvey keitel like it's that type of city where the have nots and the haves really don't have as much as a uh, of a gripe coexisting it's just a part of the culture it's, it's such it's it yes. really is a rock and roll uh, lifestyle. And into this tumultuous stew came an impressionable young Jesse May Peluso. I was impressed. I wasn't even impressionable. I was impressing. <laughs> and then when Jesse met Guido. <laughs> Is that my memoir title? <laughs> I, mean, I thought you could call your special, your stand-up special, World in My Mouth. <laughs> You're going to call your special coming out of my child's closet something's gonna have to happen in there because it's not working the way it is 
Yeah, it was. It's so easy for you to to come out of your closet because you don't have to open a door. It's just you, you're in there. It's a part of we the room. We all get the metaphor. I'm gay. <gasps> you know, is this our first fight? I'm a gay dad. Okay, <laughs> you are. You are a gay dad. I would have made. Oh man, I would have made such a good gay dad. There's you so many such a good gay dad. There's still time. You know, you're right. And I've often thought about that. How if you're in an unhappy relationship, it really would help to be gay. Because, like, if you're if you're a straight dad and you decide that it's not working, you break up the family and you're like, unless you really play your cards right, you're you're awful. And, you you know, you've you've compromised your um, your children's upbringing. Everything they thought they knew went out the yeah, window. You've ruined like four lives. But if you're a gay dad, if you play your cards right, you can be a hero. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you got the family, you got the kids, you got the ex-wife who's now like you're hopefully one of your best friends. Once you're we... BFF, you're going and getting pedicures together. That's, <laughs> That's you're right. You're both sharing BJ techniques and with you're, one another. And you're, wow, okay. That is, I'm trying to imagine having that conversation with my wife. And then you're with, uh, with a dude where you're at most monogamish. Monogamish. Hello, memoir title. Mono- I did not, I cannot take credit for that. Monogamish is the new monogamous. Is it? Yeah, uh, it is. It is. Everybody's like mon- culturally. Everybody's monogamish. Um, gay, are you sure? Is it? Are you? Are we men, projecting? Many gay men are um, are at least monogamish. I would say that that is going to become a stereotype that is not going to ring as true as it once did. See, I am of the opinion that I don't know how long it's going to take, but I wish there was a way that I could bet on everything gets back to normal more so than everybody currently thinks. It would. If somebody can tell me the stock that I buy to bet on, it might take longer than I think, but eventually think I mean, I we nobody thought that the world would ever be the same after September eleventh. And other than the fact that I have to take my shoes off when I fly, it is. It all it's cyclical, it all resets itself. People forget mm-hmm. quickly. Yep. Hopefully soon homosexual love won't be a thing that people have to say in order to pr- promote equality of it. And it, homosexual love will become so common that it will become the mainstay and the regular, and then heterosexual relationships will be the ostracized. <laughs> I've thought about this. I've thought about this Scenario. too. Right, 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 right. And then we have straight bars. Right, there's straight bars. Where it's what goes on in there? They're well, always let me tell you, playing Monday night football, and 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 Jodie Foster gets slammed up against the pinball machine. That's what happens in straight bars. What are you talking about? It's a it's about a movie called The Accused where she gets raped in the back of a bar. Why the hell does that have to happen in the straight bar? I thought we were just watching football and throwing darts. Straight dudes rape chicks. It's it's facts. It's science. That's a horrible thing to say. You mentioned earlier that uh, when I was mentioning sugar daddies and Danny DeVito, um, that <laughs> that you were like, it cuts both ways. I'm interested to hear your theory on how there are gold digger men. Uh, probably in the gay community. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. I don't, I don't want to give away any specifics, but professionally, I recently encountered a situation yes. where I'm like, wow, this is – does everybody in this room realize what a gigantic raging cliche everybody in this room is? Right. Like, are but you- I think the, the gold digger man outwardly looks differently than the gold digging woman. Mm-hmm. And I think because of our sexes, we 
our idea of gold is different. And obviously, individually, everyone's idea of success and gold is going to be interpreted differently. But I think if we just look at it from a gender specific difference, women's idea of gold versus men, you know, I think what I've seen in my experience, gold digging men are more like the ones that are sleeping on the couch, not contributing, not working, um, making up excuses as to why they can't get jobs, basically kind of like a lazy fuck boy Mm -hmm. situation where they find women who like to be project managers. And so women just keep dating these guys and providing for them, making excuses as to why he can't get back to work. Oh, he hurt his ankle in college 15 years ago and there's, you know, cartilage built up so he can't walk a full strut because he's injured and she's believed it because loneliness is real and she hasn't put any time into her own self-care to realize she's a really damaged one and she shouldn't be paying for a man to sleep on her couch to learn that she should be paying to sit on somebody else's couch of a professional to give her advice well said that's what i did that was a story about how i healed (laughs) Social distance chest bump. Wait, after you were a sugar baby, then you were a, a, a trophy lady? Yes. To to reiterate my point, I think a woman should experience all oh my aspects goodness. of life. Have you tried some of the good ones? Oh, yeah. I've okay. got one. He's not going anywhere. Okay, great. I'm glad you Yeah, I got that. a good one now. Um, but I've had, I've had a plethora mm-hmm. of fellas, every type. It's, I call myself Goldie Cox. You know, this one's too cold. This one's too crazy. It's, it's, it's an array of, you know, scenarios where you have to go, hmm, why are these people coming into my life? Because yeah. women like to go, he's an asshole. Well, bitch, you gave him keys to your apartment. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why are you letting the assholes in? No, I, I'm, I'm always leading the takes two to tango. absolutely it takes two to allow the slob to stay on the couch without contributing that's right yeah so i think you know being the sugar mama versus the uh what what is a woman who provides for a sugar mama sugar daddy i don't think either one is better but i'm also a grown-ass bitch now but i do think everyone should experience it and you know it's nice to have somebody buy you a louis vuitton bag every holiday (laughs) i get it yeah there's there's upsides as long as, as long as everybody goes in with their yeah. eyes open. Yeah, and they're, and they're, you know, holes cleansed. Yeah. Emotion, emotional. Of course. I didn't mean butthole. You're, you're, you scowled like I meant butthole. I, well, you should keep your butthole clean. You know I'm just sitting here playing with Legos while I'm talking to you, right? This Are is... you? Because I thought you were gearing up to talk about what we've tried to talk about on every episode. Oh, you mean like how uh, I learned this week that c-3po is a gigantic asshole like like a physiological asshole <laughs> dude think about it if you really look at him he's just like a gigantic <laughs> no no the guy who plays him is apparently like the most insufferable prick of all time oh no nobody well, likes probably c- insufferable because nobody knows who he is i think he was insufferable from the get-go i think what it was is that he thought he was an actor and every and he was just taking a job in this like corny little B movie and no respect for you know there's a guy in R2D2? There is? Yeah. His it's Danny DeVito. His name's Kenny Baker. It's Danny. And oh. Danny DeVito could probably dunk on him. Really? He's teeny? Danny DeVito could posterize R2D2. Whoa. Yeah, and they didn't they didn't get along because the one guy was 
an actor who perceived the other guy as being a guy who just stood in a garbage can and twisted the head from time to time. See, this is where there's a battle between your essence and your image and who you who you're allowing to to speak from, you know, are you speaking from your ego or who you really are? And I think our ego gets in the way because if that dude was just cool with having work in the 80s, he would have just been chill and, and not been a freaking asshole. Then again, maybe his mom was a bitch and didn't breastfeed him long enough when he was a child. There's yeah. roots to all of the damage. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then there's a the thing that uh, this famous football coach, Bill Parcells, used to always say, which is you're, you're, you are what your record says you are. And like, if you're so goddamn great, C-3PO, then why don't you go do something that doesn't involve you being C-3PO? Inside of a trash can. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, in in his defense, he had been like, he was like a successful stage actor. It's not like he never did anything. But if you're like, you know who thinks they're too good for Star Wars? As far as I can tell, Han Solo. Chewbacca. (laughs) No way. Chewie has nothing but love in his heart. Sweet. Oh my god, my, I want him to be my emotional support pet. He hugs. You know what sucks is that the last time we went to Disneyland, because we ponied up and got the the annual pass, because we, we were just living there. Like they're very, very expensive, and we were going like every weekend. We were getting our wow. money's worth. And um my uh my my daughter had become like chewy curious by the last time that we went there, and like he's trying to <laughs> hug her, and she's like doing the baby thing where they like run and hide, you know, in their parents' arms, but they're still like looking back. Like, yeah, I'm thinking Maybe about that's it. That's how I get sugar daddies, by the way. <laughs> it's like, you could learn a thing or two from a one year old when it comes to attracting, <laughs> yeah, mafia guys. And uh, and and since then, she's gotten so into him. She calls Star Wars Chewy. She sleeps with like a Chewy. Do- I mean, she sleeps with a lot of things, but one of them's a Chewy doll. And I know if we could just go back to Star Wars, she'd finally give Chewy that great big hug that Chewy wants. Oh god, this is really creepy. This sounds like a blippy episode. You should probably just film it, and that could be your Wait. your. The, oh, oh, hold on one second. Can we interview? No, we sure can't. What's up? Um, there's a child in the room. I will be done. Ten in minutes. Fifteen minutes. Yep. Oh, oh my god, you have the sweetest child. Where did this thing go? Oh, the little voice one of my buds. was so sweet. It's like this. This is why it's hard to work from home. Hold on, I can't hear you. All right, I'm back. What'd you say? I said that was that little voice was so sweet, and I I don't know if your child normally is that sweet and tender, or if there was an instruction to be sweet and tender. No, he's pretty flipping cherubic. <laughs> he was like, um, excuse me, daddy. How much longer? I was just wondering, sir. Oh, God. There's something that it just, it, it, it tugs at my ovaries when I hear a child's voice. And I think it's just being 37, you know? If you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, you may as well uh, get it on. Because I was, uh, I didn't want to be an old dad and I wasn't with the first one. And I'm, an, I'm kind of an old dad with the second one. And like, I'm feeling it in like my knees. Ah, oh, shit. Well, speaking of feeling it in your knees, I found out that there was a a victim of the Chernobyl accident mm-hmm. born with six toes per foot and webbed fingers, and later both legs were amputated, and then went on to win a gold medal in cross-country skiing in the Paralympics. You know, I used to interview guys who- I've been day drinking and eating Rice Krispie treats in quarantine. I have my legs. I have all my legs. I know, I know, I know, I know. But look, I'm not, I would not 
say this in jest if this had not been said to me, but I, I, I interviewed, I used to go to the Winter X Games and the X Games all the time to cover them for the radio. And I've heard guys who like lost legs or lo- lost feeling in their legs. I'm like, wow, it's so amazing what you do. And they're like, ah, I can't even feel half my body. I kind of just chuck myself down the mountain. so hard that's really funny because we were like oh my god they're so brave they've overcome so much it must be so difficult eh, yeah can't feel a thing no. i'm just gonna toss myself <laughs> over a mountain 50 50 chance i don't feel a thing um <laughs> no and i think that those guys are so used to being like kind of put on a pedestal that maybe some of them have developed this way of like taking the air out of the situation so you just you know talk to them on on the level but i'll never forget the guy saying that he's like well I, whatever i mean i probably ran into some stuff i can't feel a thing down there and i'm like righteous dude. and here's cp3 c3 p3o mm-hmm. can't handle what he's doing he's got his legs and here's this dude just like eh, fuck it whatever toss me down the mountain speaking of atomic shit i'd seen this fact recently and um and, and i wanted to bring it up to you because it absolutely blows my mind there's a guy named tsutomo yamaguchi and Is that your father-in-law mm, no he's you had to think about it though this guy was in Hiroshima when the bomb Which is bombings people for those of you who aren't well versed in history when the bomb was dropped right yes and he survived many people you know did it was awful but many people did survive here's Yikes. here's the thing though Jesse he didn't live in Hiroshima he was actually there because he worked there. It's not all that in common in, in Japan to like work in a different city than where you live yeah, and just come, come home on the weekend and stuff like that. He lived with his family in Nagasaki. So after Wait, Nagasaki was affected. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We dropped Wasn't there a bomb in Nagasaki. Yes, we that's, dropped two. That's precisely the point, is that he survived Hiroshima and he went home to his family in Nagasaki, and he's the only person who was in both cities in the history of humankind that had an A-bomb dropped on them. And he survived. No, no, no. He totally died. Oh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He lived to be 93 years old. Jesus. What about the rest of his family? Completely obliterated. It was awful. <laughs> this is a lie. He lived out. Like he lived out. Real. He lived out his day. Five decades of constant sorrow. You're scamming me. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. I think there, there was a guy, actually, uh, Dr. John Brinkley, who scammed the American public into believing he could transplant goat testicles into the scrotum of infertile men in order for them to conceive. In my mind, while well, you're letting that ruminate as a man, mm-hmm. I'm sure you have a visceral reaction to that. I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm really I've kind of had it with that guy about the, 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 there's the guys who it's their dick and their mother. And you can't talk wow. about dick, just their like, dick is in their mother. Well, no, it's like it's like, hey, fuck you, man, fuck you, I'll fucking kill you, yeah, fucking, you're a piece of shit, you fucking smell, and you, you're a fucking failure, yeah, yeah, and your mother, whoa, 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 you, you talk about my mother. It's just like, who told you? Like, who put it in your head? Because I find it very hard to believe that those guys are so Teflon when it comes to everything else and just simply cannot bear the thought of anyone bringing up the mom. When the person has no idea who the mom is, it's not, it'd be different if I like met your mom and I'd been over for Thanksgiving dinner and that night I was like, let me fucking tell you about your mom. It's always just some guy you met at the bar. It's just, it, it, you're just poking. It's this random, it's like your mother's so fat that whatever, you know what I mean? It just means it, nothing. It's like a poking a bear. And it's just like, guys are like, I'd rather have, you know, 
I, <laughs> I'd rather be the guy in the Metallica one video. I'd rather have both my arms, both my legs, be blind in both eyes and have my and have my tongue removed and like lose like my foreskin because bro that's my shit bro i can't even think about that you know it's just like come on dude let's I, like I, the overly hetero dudes i'm a big fan of my penis but let's be reasonable here that should be your book title i'm a big fan of my penis <laughs> i just like i just think this is misplaced persuasion like the power of persuasion has been so wasted on people like like this sort of thing it's so dumb imagine this guy as a as a professor like you know teaching a course that could really benefit students it's that sort of thing like the power of persuasion has been left in the wrong hands like look at hitler look how persuasive that dude was and how evil he was if he had just been a good person he could have achieved so much but because he was dumb and evil Mm -hmm. Nothing comes of that wasted potential. It's such wasted potential. Who's the good Hitler? Goat testicles. What's that? Who's the good Hitler? Who's the Hitler of good? Gandhi? Totally. I, I know. I know. Do you know, not as, not, he, he, he's uh, become more revered and sanctified um, in history than he was maybe at the time. I'm a big George Orwell. Hitler or Gandhi? No, uh, no, people were even down on Hitler at the time, believe it or not. <laughs> really? Gandhi, I'm a really big uh, George Orwell fan. I've, I think I have read every single word of George Orwell's that was ever published. And uh, he he was always shitting on Gandhi. Right there. There you go. You got 1984 I have never there. read, I've, I've read George Orwell in school, but I consider I haven't read it because I was so young in my yeah. relationship to it. But I have I 1984. That. My next novel to read. I heard Gandhi was into young girls. He slept with his niece because he was trying to practice the discipline to not do anything. Wow. Which is just there's levels and levels of creepy there. I don't know. I always remember Orwell's Ugh. thing about Gandhi is he's like, yeah, he he uh, he's great. He, he sleeps on the floor. Always in a millionaire's house. <laughs> Was Gandhi the equivalent of girls in hashtags on Twitter today? No. Do you know what? It's a peaceful protest. What Gandhi was, was um, he's the Dalai Lama to me where it's like I, I, maybe there's people out there for, for whom – and I know that he's obviously a symbol for Tibetans of the freedom of Tibet and their national identity. I totally get that. But in terms of being like a religious figure, he does – seems to enjoy the company of celebrities more than the company of, you know he leads a very very simple life hanging out with the beastie boys hanging hey, out yeah, with richard hey, Gere. You know, having lunch with george clooney yeah and they're just eating a, he's like oprah's bestie you know i know they're eating like four lentils each but they're doing it in oprah's place in monticello if by lentils you mean caviar yeah i mean you think dalai lama's not enjoying caviar lobster in like wagyu beef come on Let's, let's get that guy's tax report. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, let's just see his let's just see his uh, his blood pressure. That'll tell us everything we need to know. It really will. Yeah. I, I found out something that is so um, akin to who I am, and it's literally in my blood. You might know this. It's it's a famous it's a famous factoid. Uh, Lepetomana was a. I'm probably butchering the the name. He was a French professional flatuist. Oh my goodness! He came up recently on the Jason Ellis show. Yeah, I know. He, he, that guy had groupies. That guy literally. Yeah, that guy was, had groupies. He had farties. He his act involved sound effects of cannon fire and thunderstorms. I know. And he could play songs from his butt. And he also would blow out a candle that was yards away. I I'm know. sure he used some stage 
you know, some tricks to make it all work. But the fact that this guy made a career and a living as a f- professional farter gives me hope that there will be comedy beyond the quarantine. There will be. There will be. We will get back to normal someday. And you- Even if I have to, like, dress up in a costume and come over to your house mm-hmm. and entertain your children, like, come out of that closet and do, like, you know, maybe it's not blippy. Maybe I'm poopy. I'm poopy who comes out and I just do farts. It's all farts. I fart the alphabet. I can even do a Japanese alphabet, you know, to keep it copacetic in the household. Sure. Yeah, no, you, you keep working on that. You, there's There's got to be something in there you can use. I'm just, I, you know, I'm spitballing and workshopping yeah. here. Are you going to be the first comedian to do a stand-up special from your house or is somebody going to beat you to that? Because everybody... How- I'm going to be the first comedian who does a stand-up special from my ass. Oh. I am not going to do virtual comedy. I am not doing stand-up. I'm not going to do... A, a show for people across the balcony. I'm taking this time as a pause mm-hmm. to do a little day drinking. Yeah. To, to finish what I didn't have time to do before mm-hmm. and to like, you know, try and spread a little bit of joy somehow through podcasting and, and, you know, on, on the Instagram, if it involves a fart and a view of my butt, then so be it. I am here. I'm a yep. hero. No, I, 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 I hear you. And I think we should leave on that note. I think that's what this is. There's all <laughs> sorts of negatives to this, but do you know what? This might be the hiatus that we all need. And I mean, with all due respect to people who are going through tough times as, as, as all of us are to some extent or another, obviously some much more than other, but if you're, if you're, if you're puttering along and you're keeping your head above water, there's an upside to this, which is, you know, we, I'm, I'm, I'm saving a lot of money on soap yeah. and some days even on toothpaste and yeah, I'm, I'm saving a lot of money on shampoo and pants. I'm growing down with the fam. And when, you know what turns out leftovers taste almost as good as when you ate them two days ago. Yep. Sushi from the grocery store. Ain't that bad. No, and that's right. When you get bored, fart the alphabet. People tell you sushi's only good for two days. Well, coronavirus lockdown. Coronavirus. <laughs> We're all learning. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Yeah. People who want to find you, you got the Sharp Tongue Podcast. Yeah, just and... find me. It's it's there. Yes. Go to my Patreon page. We're doing exclusive content, and Tully and I are probably going to put out videos soon. Yeah, oh, yeah. As well. It, this is news to me. Great. Looking forward to You're seeing gonna those. You're going to have to brush your hair. Make sure you wax. I will. Yeah. I got, some, I got some earwax stuff I'm going to try. Yeah, do that. Let, and show people. Let's see what, what comes out of that. Only on my Patreon. Only on your Patreon. Earwax <laughs> Thursdays only content. on Patreon. <laughs> All right, we got to go. I'll talk All to right, you next I gotta week. I got to go eat. Yep, me too. Bye. Bye. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.